0: Thank you, choir, for again uh, helping usher in the feelings of the season, all the feels, right? As we get to sing the songs, um, we are moving closer to the manger. Uh, And as we do, we've been listening over these last few weeks to the stories, uh, the stories that we hear every year around this time of year that help us prepare for the good news that comes at Christmas. So we've lit the candles of hope and peace and joy, and now today, love. And as we light the candle of love, we listen to a story that has love written all over it. Uh, Now to backtrack just a little bit, two weeks ago when I preached, we took a look at the story that is just before this one in the first chapter of Luke where Mary receives the visit from the angel Gabriel and is told that she will have a child and she will call him Jesus. And right at the end of that story, uh, the scene pivots and we move into the story uh, that we take a look at today, where Mary goes to be with Elizabeth, who is also pregnant. And so, listen in now as I share the story for us this morning. Mary got up and hurried to a city in the Judean highlands. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, she blurted out, God has blessed you above all women, and he has blessed the child you carry. Why do I have this honor, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. Mary said, with all my heart, I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God, my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next, who honors him as God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed." He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned to her home. This is the word of God for the people of God and God's people say, thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, and breathe life into the words that I speak, that they might carry a word from you into our hearts and lives on this day. Amen. Amen. You know, this story is one of those that we find in Scripture that we've heard many times, most of us, and in hearing it so often— It feels very familiar, so familiar in fact, that we think that we know everything that it has to say before we get to it. And we feel like we've probably gone all the way around it and we know all the edges and contours of the story that we couldn't possibly hear anything new in it. And then something catches us by surprise, which is what happened to me this week as I listened to the voice of one theologian who gave me another twist or another way of seeing what's going on in this particular encounter between Mary and Elizabeth. Now, perhaps you, like me, in reading this story and in listening to preachers preach it, I know I've done it before, uh, or reading devotionals about it, you have gone with the assumption that when Mary goes to see Elizabeth, she goes as a frightened young girl who has found out that she is going to have a child and she hasn't even yet been in relationship with her husband-to-be, Joseph. Now, that's a reasonable approach to take to this story. But then this week, somebody helped me ask the question, what if? What if when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, Mary is the one who goes to be the encourager? Now, interestingly enough, we have have no further to look than the scripture itself and the context around it to see that this is also a plausible way of listening to the story. After all, what we know from right before the part of Luke 1 where we hear about Gabriel coming to Mary is when Gabriel comes to Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, to tell him about the birth of their son. And suddenly Elizabeth finds that she is going to have a son, but Elizabeth is much older, beyond what seems like could possibly be childbearing years. And because of that, in the context of her culture, she has likely been, felt shame, and even disdain perhaps from some in her community because to not have a child at her age is seen as possibly to have experienced God's displeasure or to be unblessed. And now she's going to have one which is far outside of her realm of possibility. And so, Scripture actually tells us that she goes into her house and she holds up for five months all by herself, not going out to see people. Mary, on the other hand, At the end of her encounter with Gabriel, we hear her say, here I am then. If this is what you are telling me, then let it be as you have said. Now, I don't know about you, but when I listen closely to that line again and Mary's response to to Gabriel, that doesn't sound like fear to me. How about you? That sounds like somebody who is saying yes to what she is being asked to do. And so what if, what if in that moment of yes, she then now goes to see Elizabeth who may be struggling in this moment? Or maybe, maybe, just maybe we can look at this story as a both and story. And what we see in this encounter between Mary and Elizabeth is both of them both giving and receiving encouragement and hope and reassurance in this moment. That idea of a both and is one of the reasons I love this image that I just stumbled across for the first time this week. There's a photo there. Isn't that beautiful? And what I see as I look at this particular depiction of Mary and Elizabeth is two women who meet each other both in strength and in grace ready to support and care for each other, ready to carry out their given roles in the extraordinary thing that God is about to do in the world that nobody could have anticipated. Two women who as they hold one another lovingly and with strength, their bellies touch and the boys to whom they will give birth. Maybe John in that moment, maybe that's one of those moments when John gives a little kick out to his cousin Jesus. And there they are together, ready to face whatever comes. As I think about this way of looking at the story, as I look at this image of Mary and Elizabeth, I am reminded of how significant it is and how meaningful it is and how powerful it is when we open ourselves up to relationship. We see God in each other. Mary and Elizabeth in our story today see God in each other and when they do, they are welcomed, accepted, encouraged, empowered. Yesterday, at about four o'clock in the afternoon, I received news that I knew was coming, but didn't wanna hear. Just a few minutes before that, my longtime friend and fellow pastor, uh, somebody who I have shared life together with in a covenant group that some of you have heard me talk about before for 20 plus years, uh, Cameron, died at the age of 53 yesterday. On March 8th, 2020, y'all remember March 8th, 2020? It was the last time we worshiped together in person before COVID. That day, as I was walking back to my seat after doing, I think, the prayers of the people, I sat down and I noticed that my phone had lit up and there was a text that looked like it was coming from Cameron on our Covenant Group text thread, which we text each other every morning, but usually it's earlier so that we're not bothering each other once we get into service. But when I opened it up, I realized it wasn't from Cameron, it was from his wife, Julie, who was letting us know that Cameron had had to be airlifted from the church to Advent Hospital in downtown Orlando. Uh, He had had a fall. And they had discovered a mass and they were waiting to hear more about what was happening. The diagnosis came, glioblastoma. And that afternoon, March 8th, later in the day, this is three of the members of our covenant group gathering around Cameron's bed there in Orlando in the hospital. And if you look at this photo, one of the things you notice is that while we were the ones who went there to be present for Cameron, to let him know that we were with him and his family and for them and whatever the future may hold, we would, we would hang in there together with him. Notice that all of us around the bed are smiling or even laughing. I love the, the look on David, my friend David's face as he leans over Cameron. Because Cameron was doing what Cameron does. As we were trying to encourage him, he was offering encouragement and reassurance back to us. These are my brothers. And for 20 years, some of us have been in this group together and others have come along the way until we have kind of landed at a group of nine that has done life together for a decade or so. And just a few weeks ago, we were together at Cameron's house. It was just a couple of days after he had made the decision to end treatment and to just have palliative care going forward. And we all went to be with him and to be with each other because we see God in each other. I'll never forget as we left one by one, Cameron walking with his rollator out the front door and standing on the front walkway as we all drove away and waving to us all, knowing that for some of us it might be the last time we saw each other in person. Friends, not only in these last couple of years as we have walked this journey with Cameron, but for 20 years, we have seen God in each other, and as we have seen God in each other, We have been strengthened and encouraged. We have been challenged and held accountable. And I guarantee you that we are all better as people, as parents, as spouses, as children, as pastors because of the relationships that we have shared with one another. But I'm not telling you all anything new. You all know this, right? And I see this in the ways in which you do life together, Trinity, the ways in which you see God in each other as a part of this congregation. I think about the many ways in which you do that with and for each other and the ways in which I have encountered it in this place and in this church. I think about Sunday school classes, some of whom have been doing life together for more than 50 years. And not just Sunday school, but you guys show up for each other at the hospital and at the maternity ward and and at the ER. And you drop meals off when people are going through a difficult time. And you pick up the phone and you call somebody that you haven't seen in a little while. Because you see God in each other and you care for each other. I see it in small groups like women growing in faith who every Tuesday night, and they're so glad to be back again, uh, doing that in person again. Women growing in faith meeting together. Mothers of preschoolers, what we call mops. Listening and learning with each other and being encouraged on the hard days and on the beautiful days. The men who come every Wednesday morning at seven o'clock and do Bible study here. The men who meet at Kiki's and Catherine and I know because we're often there as well on Friday mornings. Not as a formal Trinity ministry but because they have built relationships with with each other over the years. And you know what one of the beautiful things about that particular group is? That just recently they've invited somebody new in. Somebody to join and be a part of them that wasn't there before and they see God in each other. And there's encouragement, and there's joy, and there's love. And I see it not only in the ways in which you do that with each other within the congregation, but the ways you are doing it as you step outside the walls of this building and off of this campus and into the community to see God in others, in our neighbors. And to allow them to see God at work in you. As I think about the ministry of circles and the beautiful work and the beautiful relationships that are being built there. And in that community around the Faith Mission campus, as we get to know our neighbors and we practice a way of living that is for the well being of us all, and, and some of you go across the street to Rawlings and you serve as mentors. And by being present for a child, you allow that child to see God at work in you as you read to them or help them with a math problem or just listen to them. I think about Mommy Reads and how amazing it is that some of you women in this congregation go out to a prison to spend time with women who are incarcerated and to give them the opportunity to read in their own voices storybooks that are then given to their children so that their children can hear, even if they can't see them in person, can at least hear God in the voices of their mothers. And those women get to see God in your presence there with them. So many ways, my friends, in which you are opening yourselves up to relationship. And as we do, we allow God to do new and wonderful and beautiful things. So yes, when Mary went to see Elizabeth, I'm convinced that Mary needed Elizabeth and Elizabeth needed Mary. And they both needed the encouragement and the strength that they found in each other. And one of the parts of the story that uh, makes this come alive for me is when Mary starts to sing. Because it's it's right after Elizabeth has called her blessed. Remember the angel a couple of weeks ago in the story that we read then calls Mary blessed? And, And then Elizabeth makes sure she hears it again. You are blessed, Mary. God has blessed you and found favor in you. And in that moment, when Mary hears it again, she burst out in a song like no other, a song of radical inclusivity, a song where God is turning the world upside down and making things right side up as they should be, where all find that they are loved, all find that they are in fact blessed. And this is the good news of God being at work among us because when we have experienced ourselves as being loved, then we can expand the borders, expand the boundaries, if you will, of our hearts and our lives so that we can offer that love to others as well. And when we do, then when we hear the language of being blessed, we know that's not meant for us alone. That's meant for all of God's children. And so Mary's song isn't one that points attention to herself. It's a song that that points attention to God and the miraculous thing that God is doing in their midst. So maybe, maybe today as we take one step closer to the manger, maybe we listen again to this story in a way that helps us open ourselves up And allows us to go out and find places in the darkness where people need to hear the good news that God loves them. Where people need to see God in us and know that they in fact are blessed so that they and we can all sing the very best version of the song that God has put in each of our hearts. We see God in each other and we are blessed because of it. Will you pray with me? Come Lord Jesus, We are ready, we're so glad that you choose to come and open yourself up to relationship with each one of us just as we are. And so may we open ourselves up so that we might experience you among us. Amen.